Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Good morning. I don't know if y'all still know me or not. Uh, my name's Dale Lawing. Um, hadn't been here in a while. Been running from the bug. Been hiding. Been laid up in my basement cracking pecans, playing my guitars. You know stuff like that. Pastor Greg is not feeling well this morning, and he called and asked if I could come over here this morning and share with you. And it's a it's exciting for me. It's exciting to be here. It's exciting to see you guys again. Peggy and I have had our vaccinations. I know there's a lot of controversy about that, but old people need to do it. If you have so. your Bibles with you this morning, I hope you do. I hope every one of you brought a Bible with you this morning. You know, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. He was uh, talking, uh, was on the phone, um, and he... Uh, he said that they had a new, a new couple coming, a new family coming to the church, and he was excited about that. And he made this statement, fellas. He said, even the man is carrying his Bible. And that hit me right in the heart. Fellas, going to ping on you. We're the spiritual leaders in our home. If your kids don't see you carrying this, they won't believe it. They don't see you reading it at your house, they won't believe it. You have to raise up a child in the way you want him to go. According to his bent, that's what that means in Proverbs. And without him understanding what his bent is in Christ, he, he can't come back to it when he is old. So I want to encourage all of us, especially us fellas, to carry this to church with you. Carry a pen in it, some paper, make notes, underline your Bible, know what was talked about. We're going to talk about that a little more. But in the 15th chapter of John, if you'll turn there with me. This is, this is really interesting to me. Jesus says, your words in red. Jesus said, John 15, 1, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide 
in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. In verse 11, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, complete, perfect. I said all these things to you so that your joy may be complete. Your joy may be full. Your joy may be perfect. I want to give you a little background of what's going on. I love the book of John. I, I spent three months one time just studying the book of John. And I would encourage you to, to study the 14th, 15th, 16th, and most of the 17th chapters of John. This is the dialogue that Jesus shared after they left the upper room where they had what we know as the Lord's Supper. He realized as they walked out of where the Lord's Supper was, they come down, they come through the southern gate, around the wall, through the Kidron Valley, up to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a little over a mile walk. But he felt the need to pray. We all know that Jesus was going to be crucified. The disciples didn't have a clue. The things that he was talking about, what, what's he talking about? Can you imagine coming out of the chamber that we know as the upper room where they had the last meal that they would have together until his mission on this earth was completed. And Jesus says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go... I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And they're going, huh? You see, they don't know that before the sun sets again, about 24 hours, that Jesus is going to be arrested. Peter's going to deny him, which he's already told him. Jesus is going to be arrested. There's going to be a mock trial. He is going to be convicted. They are going to beat him until he's almost unrecognizable. He is going to carry a cross partway because he can't make it all the way. And somebody else is commissioned to help him. They go to a place called Golgotha. 
place with skull. We know it is Calvary. They will nail him to a cross and stand that up and he will die there. His blood will trickle down that cross to the ground and he will die. They will take him off of that cross and put him in a borrowed tomb before the sun sets again. Do you understand his mission? He is trying his best to cram as much stuff into these disciples as he can possibly get in them. Listen to me, he said. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Can you imagine a conversation that starts like that? You see, he knows. They get to the garden. He said, can you wait with me? I've got to go pray. We know that he went in the garden and he, he sweated blood. His anxiety was so great. Can you imagine having that in front of you to know what was about to happen to you? Who knows in here? Who knows what's going to happen to you in the next 24 hours? Not a one of us. We like to think we do, don't we? We like to think we know. We've got plans. They're not really our plans. Let's pray together. We bow before you this morning, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no one like you. We come into this place as a corporate body, Lord, a congregation, the church that you promised the gates of hell would not prevail against. It's still standing, Lord. Thank you. Father, we come in here. I want to learn about you. Father, you know, I've studied, I've, I've prayed. I pray that you'd use me this morning that I would say something that would cause somebody in this place to get a little closer to the fire, to sense your presence, to know that you're there, to, to feel your heat, feel your warmth, feel your love. Father, I pray for each one of us in this place this morning that you would be lifted up. Jesus would be lifted up in this place and yet he would draw us to himself that we might be able to know him better. He is our Lord, our Savior, our God. You promised where two or three were gathered in your name that you'd be there too. Thanks for showing up and being with us. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, th I think that no other time in my ministry life have I received so many prayer requests. People are calling. People are hurting. People are texting. People are dying. Tomorrow I will do the fourth funeral in four weeks that I've done. People's families are being torn apart by sickness. They need hope. We need hope. We need encouragement. We need to know that there's answers. Peggy and I really have. We've been 
hold up at our house. We haven't been anywhere. We go out when we have to go out. We always wear masks. We wash our hands. We wash our hands. We wash our hands. I don't have much skin left. <laughs> it's kind of like paper now. That is, that is where we are today, isn't it? The families are hurting. And people need to know that there's an answer. People are hurting. People are sick. People need to know that God can intervene in our lives to give hope. You know, it's interesting, the 15th chapter of John, we read the first 11 chapters, but if you look at the 13th verse, it's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. No greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his <coughs> friends. That give me cold chills. To think that I am a friend of Jesus. He is my friend. Y'all, I'm not going to say anything this morning that you probably haven't heard maybe a thousand times. I've been in church my whole life. I've heard this sermon many times, 15th chapter of John. He's the vine and the branches. You see, when we were growing up, we all had drug problems. We were drugged to church. It didn't matter what happened at your house. I remember my brother, he put a nickel's worth of bubble gum in his mouth before he went to bed. Now, back then, back in the 50s, a nickel's worth of bubble gum was about this big. He put the whole thing in his mouth. And when mama says, get up, you better be getting up. <laughs> Doug, get up. Nothing. Don't make me come in there. How many of y'all heard that? <laughs> Don't make me come in there. I know when daddy would say that, I said, Doug, you ain't coming in here. He said, Dale, shut up. You ain't coming in here, Doug. Keep singing. We'd sing till forever in the night. Don't make me come in there. He ain't coming in here, Doug. You see that door open, he would beat you. You couldn't walk. <laughs> I started again. Doug said, I'll kill you. <laughs> but Doug never did get up that morning to go to church. And Mama went in there, and he had a blob of bubble gum on the back of his head right here. He stuck to the sheet. You know what Mama did? She got him up and took that bubble gum and shaved it off and back his head, and we went to church. <laughs> Doug went to church like that. There's a lot of lessons in life in there. You see, I've, I grew up in church. At seven years old, me and my twin, we took off down that aisle. We joined that church. We told them we loved Jesus, and we were baptized. I had no idea who Jesus was. Had no idea what sin was. Had no idea. But Mama was happy. If Mama happy, everybody happy. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. <laughs> you see, we do things because we do things. That's who we are. The church today is an interesting place. We do things. You know, as... As I was reading this, maybe my, my translation don't exactly line up with yours. I've got the New American Standard Bible. That's my 
My favorite. I've been reading it a long time. But I counted the word abide. I abide in you. If you abide in me and I in you, I counted those two. Jesus said that 12 times in six verses. If I abide in you and you abide in me, if you abide in me and I in you, then, you see, he is talking about abiding in. If you live in me, if your abode, your living place is in me and my living place, if you're living in me and I'm living in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. If you abide in me and I in you. He said that 12 times. Do you get the picture? You see, we're all a little thick. <laughs> and he has to go over things a couple times. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? You remember when I prayed, let us feel your warmth. Get us a little closer to the fire, Lord. Help us to understand where we are. We need to understand that we need to be in Christ, in Him, live in Him. The place where we live, the place where we go home to is Christ. No matter where we are, He's our abode. He's our home. That's where He is. You know, I read reports. I read a lot of stuff. But I read reports about the church. I read reports about sermons. I read sermons. I don't particularly like to sit and look at TV and watch a sermon. <laughs> Y'all like that? I do a whole lot better reading. You know, some of the things I read from pastors in pulpits are telling people, if you'll just learn these three verses... You don't have to be stressed. Can anybody show me that in here? If you'll just learn these three verses, that's all you have to do is learn these three verses and you don't have anxiety. I'm sorry. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, those three verses don't apply to you. Have your best life now. You can have your best life now. Not if your mama just died. It's hard to listen to that and live life because there's nothing to stand on. None of that's here. That's not what God's Word says. And they are preaching this to thousands and thousands of people all across our nation. And they are believing it. They have no foundation to stand on because they are not abiding in Christ. See, without that home, without that abode, none of this applies to us. But with it, it's all ours. It's all ours. In families today, when crisis hits, when somebody gets sick, when children are hurting, when they're sick, when it happens to us, 
It's almost automatic. Go get God's in a box in the, in the closet. Go get God. And they go to the closet and they get a box and they bring it in the living room and they take the lid off of it. And all of a sudden, God is God of everything. You start seeing scripture on Facebook. You start seeing, I need my prayer partners. You see, some of these people are in church. Some of them are not. But you can see a catastrophe is in their home. And all of a sudden, they go to the closet and they get God out of the box. I need you. I need you. My kid's sick. My mama's sick. My dad's sick. And we work with God until that catastrophe is over. Okay, you can put God back in the box now. Put him back in the closet. We're done. You know people like that? Have you seen that? I have sat and prayed with people in the hospital, and they made all kind of promises to God, if you'll just get me better, if you'll just let me be better, I'll be better. I'll do your ministry. I'll live for you. Six weeks later, right back out in the world, doing the things they were doing. Do you know folks like that? It's a God-in-the-box syndrome. They have no foundation, so they just drift right back out into the world. That's the way that happens. It's about abiding. It's about living in. God is not in a box. These verses he's sharing with his disciples on his way to the garden, he is saying, you have to live in the vine. You have to abide in the vine. I am the vine. We are the branches. We bear fruit. What is fruit? It's those things that we do for others, those things that people see in us. It's Jesus' fruit. You've heard me say it before. You'll never see an orange on an apple tree. You'll never see an an apple on an orange tree. And the fruit you see on a Jesus tree is real fruit because you can't live on a Jesus tree without fruit. See, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new when we come to Christ. We we lay our heart at his altar and say, I need to move in. And I need you to move in to me. I need for you to be Lord of my life. You think about our church, the church of America today. Let me say that. You think about the church in America today. Listening to the things I just shared with you. You wonder why our government is as corrupt as it is. It's because the church is benign in America. You hear me? The church has no influence in our society today. We've been beat down to the point that we're saying, don't hit me no more. There's a church on every corner in Gaston County. When I was executive pastor over at Bethlehem, I forget, there's 670 Baptist churches. I think that's what it was 10 years ago. I don't know how many are there now. 670 in our association. There's a church on every corner. That's just Baptist churches. You think if the people in God's church were abiding in the vine, the influence that we would have in America today, we could turn this country around. You think, have you read the Old Testament? 
Did you read the story about the Israelites running out of Egypt? They crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Pharaoh come right after them. Guess what happened? That's my God. He knows how to deal with corrupt governments. He knows how to deal with corrupt politicians. He knows, he knows, he knows, but are we asking him? The people that are living in the vine. Jesus said, few there'll be that find it. Few there'll be that find it. You see, the invitation this morning is about the vine. It's not about me. You read that 11th verse so that your joy may be full. We'll get to that a little more later. You see, if the church in America was a part of the vine, we were abiding in the vine. If we would seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, our world would be different. Every one of us, not just the guy in the pulpit that's trying to share, not that Sunday school teacher that's standing before you, not that discipler that you're listening to, all of us, abide in the vine. Let's break these verses down. Starting with verse 1, let's, let's talk about this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are all already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. The word that I have spoken to you this morning makes you clean. When you live in the vine, you see, that's what pruning is about. You ever been through a pruning? <laughs> that hurts. You see, he's cutting away those things of this world. He's cutting away the things in your life that doesn't bring him glory. And the more he takes away, the more he, he prunes. Guess what he's making? A Jesus vine out of you. People start seeing Jesus in you. That cashier, when she's having a terrible day, and you walk up and you say, it's a good day, and give her that smile. She thinks, ooh, there's something different about that guy. That server in the restaurant, you can tell by her everything, and she's having a rough life. Have you ever left somebody a $100 tip? Makes a difference in their life, and they know you're different. <laughs> a $20 tip. You see, it's something to shake them, and I'll promise you, you'll never give away a dime in Jesus' name that he won't give you two back. All right. <laughs> I promise. He said, pack down, running over, didn't he? And Luke, you see, that's who he is. These things I have already told you have made you clean. That's why I'm asking you to go back and read the 13th of the Lord's Supper, 14th, 15th, 16th, 
17. These things I have already told you that you might be clean. That's what he's telling his disciples. Verses 4 through 6. I abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned up. Abide in me. Abide in. Live in. Look what it says. You cannot. If you are not on the vine, you cannot have Jesus fruit. If you're not on the Jesus vine, if you're not on the Jesus tree, you will not have Jesus fruit. You won't. When the catastrophes of life comes, you have no foundation. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about this morning because maybe that's where you are. That's not an indictment. Something to think about. Because if you are not in the vine, you can do nothing outside of me. You'll never look like Jesus because the Father's not trimming you. He's not pruning you. He's not making you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's important for us to know when we're grafted onto a Jesus tree, we start bearing Jesus' fruit. And if you don't have Jesus' fruit, you're not grafted onto Jesus' vine. That's as simple as I can make it. And you know, you know your fruit. You know your fruit. All of us. I told you I was baptized when I was seven years old. I met Jesus when I was almost 22. It's been (laughs) just a little over 46 years ago. I wasn't quite 22 because I don't want you to think I'm older than I am. (laughs) I met him. I asked him to abide in me. I asked him to be Lord of my life. It's kind of strange because after 25 years of working at Duke Energy, he called me into the ministry. And I said, what? What? What a blessing that he could use me to do anything. See, I know me, but I do know this. I love him with all my heart. He changed my life 46 years ago, and I'm still excited about that. I'm still excited who Jesus is. Verses 7 and 8, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by my Father. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I was going through the office building at McGuire Nuclear Station, and I ran into an old friend of mine, and he was sitting there, and I I saw a list that he was making, and the top of the list was expedition. And then he went on down through all the things that he wanted, a new house, I knew this, I knew this, I knew this. 
I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm making a list. I said, I see that. He said, the Bible says you can ask whatever you want, and he'll give it to you. You know people like that? Name it and claim it. God's our Santa Claus. I want to tell you something. God will never give you anything that doesn't bring him glory and make you better. He will never give you anything. He'll never let you have anything that doesn't bring him glory and make you better. You've heard me say it. If God could trust you with a million dollars, you'd have a million dollars. How many millionaires we got in here? (laughs) You see, it's important for us to know that God cares about you. God cares about you. He wants you to look like Jesus. He knows about we want our flesh to be gratified today. He knows that we want these things for us today so that we can impress people that don't even like us and that we don't even like. He knows that. He won't do anything to hurt you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Are you praying? Are you asking Him to help you bear fruit? Look what it does. It proves that you are my disciple. The fruit that you bear that people see, the places that you go, the people that you talk to, when they see, oh, there's something different about that boy. There's something different about that gal. It's Jesus' fruit. And you prove, you demonstrate that you belong to Jesus. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? When you go places and you do things, you prove you belong to him. You prove it. That's what Jesus said. When we start looking more and more and more like Jesus, People will notice. They'll notice your fruit. Verse 9, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Abide in love. It's important that we love one another. That proves we are his disciples. That proves it, that we love one another. I can tell you, and maybe you're a witness to this. I know you are. Church is one of the meanest places I've ever worked in my life. It's the truth. It's a hard place to work because everybody in church doesn't follow Christ. I've always said there's church members and followers of Christ. Some people can be just ruthlessly mean. It's fruit. It's fruit. Understand the fruit. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, do you know his commandments? Are you hiding this word in your heart that you might not sin against him? 
Is that what you're doing with this? Is that what you're doing? If you don't know his commandments, you can't keep his commandments. If you're not studying his word, yeah, I said it at the beginning. If you're not studying this word and teaching it to your kids, your kids will never know his word because it's not important to you. One of these laid on my mama's table till the day she died. Last year of her life, me and her read it together, and we talked about it. Best year of my life, I believe. Sitting with my mama, 89 years old. 89 years of walking in this Word, sitting and talking to her about this. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be full in you. May, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. You see, everything that we've talked about so far, abide in me and I in you. Why? Why is he saying all this? So that your joy may be complete. I was sitting in my office over at Bethlehem one day, and a guy walked in. He said, Pastor Dale, can I share something with you? Stuff like that always just wears me out. <laughs> you know, you think it's to get one. To go. Yeah, if I call his name, Neil would know him. <laughs> this really happened. He came in, he closed the door to my office, and he sat down in the chair, and he said, I know you're going th to think this is crazy. He said, but I think God is telling me to leave my wife and marry. He even called her name. I know I look like I'd been popped. And then he said this, because God wants me to be happy. I turned around, I believe it was this very Bible that was laying on the, on the table back there. I picked it up and I handed it to him. I said, show me that. Well, I, uh, well uh, I said, it's got to be in here if God told you. You see, he wants justification. He wants a pastor to tell him, that makes sense to me. You know, and I, I was sitting there and I thought, you know, maybe I need to get up and just walk around and just pop him real hard. Try to get that <laughs> bubble back in the middle, Ben. You know, as, you know how our bubbles get off sometimes. <laughs> and I thought maybe if I hit him just hard enough, not break his jaw, but just make it hurt real bad. You know, maybe you get that bubble back in the middle. That's the dumbest thing I have ever heard a man say. So you want me to tell you that it's all right that the, the promises you made before God, that you made to this woman that you married, that you can throw all that away, and God said, good deal, you can have this woman over here. God hates divorce. You make a promise. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. You can read it all the way through here. Until death do us part. Unless you can find a woman over here that will make you happy. Who ever heard of such? <laughs> but you know, we think about happiness. We think about happiness. We want to be happy, don't we? Everybody wants to be happy. I love God with all my heart. I promise I do. I am by no means perfect. 
I think things I shouldn't think, say things I shouldn't say, do things I shouldn't do. After walking with him for 46 years, looks like after all this time, I'd be happy. But then my mama died. I wasn't happy about that. My daddy died. I've done over 400 funerals in my life. That little girl over in Stanley, her mama, her daddy, went out in the backyard with the backhoe and dug this big old hole. Her and her cousin, six-year-old girl and her cousin, was out there playing, and that hole fell in on them and killed them. I did that funeral. You remember Lee's granddaughter. Grief so heavy. Grief so heavy in that place. If they could have that grandmother, grandfather, mom, dad, if they could have sunk through the floor, they would have. I want to tell you something. We can't always be happy, can we? We know life well enough to know if you've lived long enough, you know that you're not going to be happy. I can tell you when Peggy got sick with the liver abscess, they told me for eight days she wasn't going to live. You think I was happy? I've cried maybe five times, maybe six times in my adult life. I'm not a crier, but I cried then. And I begged God to let me keep her, and he did. Thank you. But I can tell you, I wasn't happy. My heart hurt, but I can tell you this, I wasn't alone. I never lost my joy. I never lost what I needed for him to do for me because he was there. And he was giving me encouragement. He was giving me hope. He was hugging me when I needed a hug. He was there so that your joy may be full. I write all these things to you so that your joy may be full. You won't always be happy. And I want you to know something today. Listen to me. God doesn't care about your happiness. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. God doesn't care about your happiness. God will not stay in your closet in a box. He is not your Santa Claus. He is the creator. He is the owner of all that is. He is. And you put anything good on that that you want to because he is. He is not your God in a box. You don't summon him when, he need, when you need him. He wants you to live in him. He knows what's going to happen in your life before you do. I want you to know, and let me say it again, God doesn't care about your happiness. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be holy, for I am holy. What does holy mean? Set apart out of this world. We look like, we act like, we live like Jesus. is holiness. He is Lord. You might claim Him as Savior today, but if He's not your Lord, you're not on the vine. You're not living in Him. And your joy is not complete. It's not full. That's who He is. He'll never be your God in a box. 
Be holy, for I am holy. Be set apart that the world might see your fruit and bring God glory, that his joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Do you see God's purpose for your life? To be holy, to be attached to him, to be in the vine. That's God's purpose for you, to bring him glory. That's who he is. And to be called one of his today, I can't think of anything that I would rather be than one of his today. He is my everything. He is. Do you, do we abide in Christ this morning? Or is he God in the box at your house? That's the only decision you have to make this morning. Where is he? C.S. Lewis wrote this. I don't know if you read him or not. He's an interesting author. C.S. Lewis wrote, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition with an infinite, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We would rather sit in a mud hole and think we're happy and go on vacation by the sea. That's the difference. Life verse. This is not underlined in your Bible. I'm asking you to right now. John 10.10. John 10.10. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You can't have both. You can only have one of these. Only once. You can either have the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy, and you know he's doing it. You know, the Bible says that sin is fun for a season, but the wages of sin is death. Self-gratification, the things, the fun things that we want to do that doesn't bring God glory, that's the enemy. The fun things that brings God glory, and there's more of them than this, I promise. I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Which will you leave here with today? Which one of these will you leave here with today? And as always, he's going to let you choose. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for being our vine. Thank you, Lord, that you allow us to be your branches. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone in here this morning that hasn't made that commitment to you, that hasn't asked you to forgive their sins, to move in to their life. I pray, Father, that they would ask you to forgive them. We're all sinners. Just by nature, we're all thieves. We're all liars. And I pray, Father, that today, every one of us would decide today to live in the vine, to be in you and ask you to be in us that we might be different creatures, that we might prove to the world that we love you, that we're your disciples by that smile that you put on our face, by that joy that exudes when things are bad. Father, I pray 
if there'd be one here today that doesn't, don't know you, that today they would ask you to take over their lives, to be master, to be Lord of their lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.